God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. And that passage that I just read with you, mark it in your Bible because it is key to finding that plan and that purpose. You see, when a man or a woman surrenders their life to Christ and starts to live, that's key, live a Christian life. Christianity is not a pastime, it is a lifestyle. Christianity is not Sunday morning, it's every morning, every noon, every evening, every Every day, 24-7. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You know, folks, the enemy would love nothing more than to discourage, disrupt, and disqualify you from being a victorious Christian. Let our worship team know you appreciate them this morning, would you? The enemy would love nothing more than to disrupt you and discourage you and dissuade you from the victory that God has for your life. I don't think you're getting this. The enemy would love nothing more than to get you caught up in the woe is me mindset. Can I tell you something? I don't find the word victim with Christian. I find the word victor with Christian. And let me tell you something about a victim. If you choose to be a victim and you won't suck it up and put your big boy pants on, it doesn't give you the right to be a victimizer, to bring somebody into your pity party. Folks, it doesn't work that way. I don't think they're getting it, Dan. I don't think they're getting you know, we, we have this men's summit coming up. I, I, I am excited. Put, put that back up on the screen, would you, Lee? This men's conference coming up. And don't worry, Dan. I'm not going to let you. I'm going to get it to you just a second. Hang on. I just, can you put that back up for me, the men's conference thing? Oh, it's in the announcements. I'm sorry. It's not on there. Okay. It talks... It talks about having some grit. You know what the Bible says? It says these words, quit you like men. Now that's King James, the word quit. You know what the word quit means? Be strong. Stand up. Rise up. Now listen to me, ladies. I'm not discounting you. 
Come on, ladies. You rise up. You stand up. And you be strong in the Lord and what? The power of his might. I don't know about you, but I get a little weary. I get a little weak. I get a little, uh, uh, oh gosh, whatever words you want to fill in there. But that doesn't stop me from rising up. I think they're going to get it in just a minute. I'm not sure. So. so go ahead and share what you were going to share, Dan, and, and then I'll take you into God's Word, and, and we will lift you up. I'm going to lead the way for you, man. There you go. Now, is this on? This is glorious. I've had a wonderful, great time of being gone from three weeks, and I wouldn't say it's a wonderful, great time, but man, God's doing some good things, guys. Come on. God is doing some good things. And if you guys can get hold of this, listen to this. We were praying. We had Bill and Eula and Lori and I were gone. We were catching fish, and God's gone. Nah, that's, that's not the fish we need to be catching. You with me? Lori is a great fishing person, but Lori's call is not catching fish. It's catching men, humans. Bring them into the throne room. Bring them into wherever it is. But we're sitting there, we're going... God, what's going on? God said to me, and this is a word for our church this morning. Send, listen to this, guys. Send forth the call. You guys hear that? Pastor, Pastor Jewel, send forth the call and call the children back home. Send forth the call. I looked the word call up. There's two major definitions of the word call. One where God said, and I laughed because we saw Lazarus up there. And Jesus said, Lazarus, I call you forth. You with me? Call you to new life. Raise up that dead body. Put those dry bones, put muscles back on them. Sinews back on him. Create a new creature. Lazarus was not the same creation as when he went into the grave. Think about that. The other one, the other word for call is this here, and it's used in Romans. The word for call says, I call you back in redemption. I call you back in redemption. Redemption. It's not forgiveness. In redemption. You are redeemed. You are restored. You are put back in your proper place that God has called you to. That pastor is preaching on purpose today, if I remember right. This is tying together. This whole word is tying together. He says, I am calling you to redemption, church, today, putting you back in the right place that you are supposed to always be in. But we step out of. Today, church, church on the camera, if you hear this word, send forth the call from this altar right now, it's going out. Across the airways. It's going out across the air right now. Come back home now. 
It's time to be back in touch Come on. with your God. Come on. With your mighty. It's time to become a new creature this morning in God. It's time to be restored back into the place God wants you to be. I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about your life. He's saying, come back right now. Quit playing the game. Get serious with me. Let's get back and let's move this world forward to the call that I have for it, says the Lord. That sounds like a good word to me. Oh, there's the thing up there. Resilience, wisdom, and courage. It's time, folks, to bounce back. It is time to get back in the saddle. There's an old song for some of you that are a little bit older than me, because I'm not old enough to remember this. Back in the saddle again. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here, my friend. Are you going to be able to fix it? <laughs> We're going to try. There we go. If you could, I would think it's up there. Might just gotten loose. See what happens? I get my screws loose. Is that what it is? Is it loose? Resilience. Wisdom. Courage. Can I tell you something, folks? There's a real situation happening in the world, but there is a greater situation happening in my life, and his name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And there's a courage and a confidence that I have that he is going to keep me, he is going to help me, he is going to lift me, he is going to strengthen me, and there is no devil in hell that's going to defeat me. I want you to do something today, and I don't always do this, but I'm going to do it this morning. I'm going to ask you to get your, your Bibles out. You don't have the notes because I haven't started putting them out in the bulletins yet. Matter of fact, we haven't started doing the bulletins yet, have we, uh, Carol? There you are. We haven't started. Yeah, you're not over here. Okay. We haven't started doing the, the bulletins again yet, so the notes aren't out there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some of you to take your Bibles, and I'm going to lovingly do this, so don't take offense, do this. <laughs> yeah, some of you say, well, Pastor, I don't have any dust in my Bible, and that's awesome. And if you do, folks, that's okay. Okay, just, just get it out today, because I'm going to take you through several scriptures that are going to help you understand God has a plan for man's purpose. And can I tell you something? God has a plan for this stuff that is happening in the world right now. I was listening to a prophet here many weeks ago. And you can believe in prophets, don't believe in prophets. The Bible believes in prophets. So if the Bible believes in prophets, this preacher believes in prophets. And this prophet was telling me, that scripture that we have in Hebrews that says everything that can be shaken will be shaken, God has shaken up the church. He is separating the wheat from the chaff. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Those who are the church and those who play the church. He's separating. 
and he's going to bring out the true people. And you say, well, pastor, how do I know I am the true people? One thing, you don't let stupid stuff like this bother you. We got to move on. We got to be bigger than this. Somebody please say amen. You don't have your notes, but I've got a lot of scripture to talk about today. I, I have a favorite song. It's become my wife and I's uh, wedding song and love song and all this, call, this uh, stuff. And many of you have grabbed the same song because it's an incredible song. It's called Cross My Heart by George Strait. Anybody know the song? It's an incredible song. If you, if you haven't, uh, sit down, husband, with your wife and say, honey, pastor said this would be a good song for us, and just play the song. It's a great song. Well, the, the song became such a big hit that they actually did a movie, and the movie was called Pure Country. Anybody ever saw that movie? I think it's the only movie George Strait made. Uh, I think he figured he couldn't act very well, so he didn't do another one. I don't know. But it was a great movie. But I, I'm not interested in the movie necessarily or the song. I am interested in a statement that was made in the movie. Grandma to George Strait, what was his name in the movie? Somebody remember? Dusty. Dusty, thank you. Dusty in the movie. Dusty's grandma was one of these philosophizers. She was someone who looked at life through an interesting lens. And grandma in the movie, and I thought it was profound, she summarized the dilemma of man on earth. She said these words, there are no answers, only the search. This is man's dilemma. Man thinks there are no answers, but how many can say today we know the answer? You see, we know the answer, therefore we know all answers, because all answers are in Jesus. Can somebody say amen? God has a covenant with you and me. And in that covenant, do you know what? God is desirous for you to know his will. Okay? So I'm going to try to go slow today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. New, that's the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's after the book of Romans. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. Paul says, we are not a people that fight aimlessly. We know what we are doing in this world. I do not fight like one that is just flailing against the air. But let me take you now to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. You're going to go a little further to the right if you're looking through your Bibles. 2 Timothy 1, 12. And because we are a people that know what we're supposed to be doing, do you know what the Bible says? We will face difficulties in this world. Now there's a host of reasons, but one of the reasons is you have the answer and the world doesn't. And because you have the answer, they'll think you're holier than thou. They'll think you're goody two-shoes. They'll think you're a know-it-all. You say, no, I'm not a know-it-all. I just know the one who knows it all. 
I'm going to get somebody this morning, Dan. I don't know. You came back from fishing. What'd you tell me? 102 fish? 102 fish. I was when we left. Bill and you caught more after we left. And we're having a fish fry, right? We're having a, I think we'll have a church wide. I was going to say, the whole church going to be invited? I'd be liking fish. What was it? Trout? What? What? Rainbow or German or cutthroat? Well, Pastor, I'm not going to come. Oh my my! Because. Because I know that I have a purpose. You say, well, Pastor, what is your purpose? What is my purpose? I'm glad you asked because we're going to try to answer that today. Okay? The reality today, because I know I have a purpose in life, it frustrates the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world is flailing around. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, 2, this is why I'm suffering as I am. But he said, I am not ashamed. Say that with me. I am not ashamed because I know who I have believed. And you know what it says? And I'm convinced he's able to keep me until the day he returns. Is anybody here convinced? All right, are you convinced? A man, <laughs> a man by the name of George Truett said, to know God's will is our greatest knowledge. Listen to this. He said, but to do God's will is your greatest achievement. See, a lot of us know what to do. We just don't do it. And a lot of it is because it disrupts our agenda. Can I tell you something? There are some folks that just want to complain. There are some folks that just don't like it when things start going the right way if it's not their way. There are some folks that are just flat bothered when things go south. And don't get me wrong, I get bothered. I just choose not to stay bothered. And that's where I've made a statement. I know this Bible pretty good. Oh, I'm not perfect. I'm a pastor, not a concordance. That's why sometimes I will misquote chapter and verse. I don't generally misquote the scripture, but I misquote the chapter and verse because I don't have them all memorized. Uh, a wonderful man of God that you like him, you don't like him, or whatever, that went home to be with the Lord recently was a guy by the name of Jack Van Empey. He is said to have had almost two-thirds of the Bible memorized. My goodness. How do you do that, David? Ah, there you go. And this is why in my life I have made this statement, God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I love you, but I'm not interested in your will. I love you, and I love people, and I love situations. But folks, I preached a message at our last men's conference, our last men's summit. 
And it's a message that I actually preached in this church probably five years ago. And you'll, maybe you'll recognize it. Hopefully I make a difference, honey, to where they remember some of the things I preach. Okay. And the title of the message was, Don't Go to Hell Over a Mystery. And I cannot tell you how many men at that men's summit came up to me afterwards and said, you just set me free. Do you know why? Because we let things get our goose, get under our skin. There's a statement that I've made for many, many years. Many things in life are bothersome, but why do they only bother some? Because what bothers Bill doesn't bother me. What bothers Heather doesn't bother Ivan. Well, it might because you're married. I mean, it could. It could affect really negatively, but it could be positive too. Folks, we make a choice on what bothers us. And I'm not going to be bothered. Let me take you into God's Word. Proverbs chapter 3. It's on the screen. My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, I'm going to ask you to clear your vocal cords and read that line with me. And then I'm going to talk about it just a second. Are you ready? One, two, go. My son, do not forget my teaching. You know that word for uh, do not forget? That word forget does not mean that you have forgotten. It means you disregard. You know what it says, but because of certain uh, current circumstances, you disregard it. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands where? In your heart. We're going to talk about that heart. You know, we think it's that thing that's pumping blood in our body, but it's not about the thing. Matter of fact, another place in Proverbs says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Look what it says here. Keep my commands in your heart. What will happen if you do? They will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. How many know people that the only news they have is bad news? It's like Thomas Jefferson once said, the pessimist is the person that feels bad when he feels good for fear he's going to feel worse when he feels better. I, I, am, I am not a pessimist by any stretch of the imagination. I am an optimist. And I became immensely optimistic in my optimism when I found Jesus. Because as David already articulated, I look at the end of the book and it tells me I won. He won, I win. Okay? So look on here. These are all keys. This, this phrase are keys to you and I finding the purpose of God. Finding the will of God. Look at this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Boy, I am glad I came this morning. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Love. 
You know what it's specifically saying? Your commitment to God's covenant. It's not loving each other per se, though if you're committed to God's covenant, you're going to. That word faithfulness means your dependability to that commitment. See, we wonder sometimes, how come I can't find the will of God or walk in the will of God or live the will of God or know the will of God? You can. I can. But it's cost. I've got to be faithful to his covenant and I've got to be dependable in my walk. That's why it says, bind it around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Proverbs uh, 4, it say, or, excuse me, in Proverbs 27, well, it's in, it's in Proverbs. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Bind them around your neck. What does it mean when you have it bound around your neck? Literally, I'm just breaking this down, folks, and then I'll take you through this, and I, probably, uh, I promise to get you out before lunchtime. <coughs> Binding it around your neck. <coughs> what that literally means, these women wear necklaces. Look, look at this. Stand up there, Dan, would you? Just stand up and face everybody. Y'all see this big old bolo tie? Uh, uh, it looks like a, a white buffalo turquoise is what it looks like. Is that what it is? Oh, man, I'm good. How many notice that big old thing bound around his neck? Even from where you're at, Vince, you can see it, can't you? Bound around his neck. You know what it literally means? Let that love and dependability be seen for everybody to see. Let it be apparent in your life. I'm talking about your purpose. Thank you, Dan. You see, when you do these things, oh, man, this is good. Oh, this is good. Jared, this is worth the price of admission. Yeah. You dying because he died? That's worth it. Right. Look, look at okay. Let me start again. Okay. Do not disregard. It's not just words on a page, folks. If you don't watch David and Jared and the rites read aloud the scripture, you know what they're doing? They're speaking victory. You know why more garbage hasn't happened in Flagstaff since this pandemic has begun? Because we're covering this city with God's word. Because God said he, he watches over his word to perform it. Do not disregard my teaching, forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. I don't know what that apostrophe got there. I must have wrote it wrong when I did it. In your heart, for they will prolong your life and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness, commitment to God's covenant is the love, and the faithfulness is dependability to walk in it. 
never leave you. Let that covenant and my dependability on it never leave me. Let the entire world see it. Bind it around my neck. And write it on the tablet of your heart. What is that talking about? It's talking about it becomes the very essence of everything you do, say, or are. Now, say, Pastor, I want to know God's purpose. I want to know God's will. I've just outlined how to do it. And look what God says. If you do this, then, say that word with me, then. Then means i got to do something before I get it. You, you wonder why I struggle not knowing what God wants? Because I'm fickle. I'm finicky. What if I don't like what God wants? What if it costs me? Well, I don't know. Let's see, it cost him his life on Calvary. I think costing me my life is a pretty small price to pay for eternity. Then you'll find favor and a good name with God and with men. I'm just letting that sink in. If I do those things, then I will find favor with God and with man. I love God. You know why? Because God knows we're thick. He knows we're dense. Now, folks, I'm not just talking about me. Come on, somebody own this. If, if, if you say, Pastor, you're talking about me, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, We've got a few honest people out here. That's good. Okay, are you raising your hand out, in the, uh, out online? Okay, good, good. I know our media department's raising their hand. Look at this. The very first thing, he reiterates it in different words. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in everything you do, all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I've had people say, Pastor, why does the Bible seem to repeat itself a lot? Just like Jesus. Remember Jesus when the disciples, I mean, they're walking hand in hand with him. And they still messing up. Look at somebody and say, boy, I'm glad they did it because I know I do it. And Jesus said these words, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to be with you? And even when Jesus was taken up, you can read in the book of Acts, even when he was ascending into heaven, was that Acts 4, is that where it's at? Some of you Bible scholars helped me out. He was ascending, and the Bible says the disciples were there doing this.
Like some of you are looking at me. Okay, what's he going to do? Oh, I love it when it's still in the house. They said, what's coming next? What's coming next? That's exactly what the disciples, they were waiting for some great, magnificent thing. Halfway up, Jesus stops and tells two of his angels that are taking him up. He said, "Uh, guys, I'll hang out here for a second. Will you go back and tell them to go do what I said to do? Stop staring into the heaven. I'm coming back the same way I went. Go do what I told you to do. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. And that passage that I just read with you, mark it in your Bible because it is key to finding that plan and that purpose. You see, when a man or a woman surrenders their life to Christ... I I put this on the screen, folks, because I want you to grab this. When a man or a woman surrenders their life to Christ and starts to live, that's key, live a Christian life. Christianity is not a pastime. It is a lifestyle. Christianity is not Sunday morning. It's every morning, every noon, every evening, every day, 24-7. Aren't you glad that when Jesus hung at Calvary, at the end when the day was over and and he was prepared to give up the ghost, he was prepared to go back to the Father, aren't you glad he didn't just pull his arms and his feet off there and jump back down and said, oh, I was just kidding. He did it for real. And you and I got to do it for real. What do you mean do what for real? Have a crucified life that we can live a resurrected life. You see, you can't be resurrected until you're crucified. The old man has to die before the new man can live. When a Christian, when a man or woman gives her life to Christ and begin to live a Christian life, what he or she, look at this, has simply done is to begin to yield to the will that God had pre-planned for their life. Now listen to me, what is the key? You're living a Christian life. Now I'm going to take you into the scripture. Look at at this, Romans chapter 8. For those he foreknew, now there is a a group out there, and I'm not going to name their names, but they have this this, uh, doctrine called uh, eternal security, and selection, and election. And they use a tulip to describe it all. And they use this passage out of context to make it work. And they got lots of passages that they pull out of context, okay? For who he foreknew. You say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? He knew that Bill Fisher was going to give his life to him. He knew that Ed Scott was going to give his life to him. He knew that Jenny Summers was going to give her life to him. He knew that Jody Stark was going to give her life to him. 
And he knew, guess what? That you all were going to screw up. Oh, you're, pa you're passing judgment on me. No, I'm just stating facts. You know why I know that? Because I have. Okay? He knew this. But look what he said. I know who's going to get saved, and I have already, that word predestined, and this is, this is one of those words that get us all messed up. That word predestined, and, and folks, I'm not saying different things other than they would have probably been better if they would have translated it, what the word literally means in the Greek, and that is predetermined. You go look it up in the Greek, it literally means predetermined. From the foundation of the earth, he determined Jesus was going to die. That's what the Bible says. And he was going to conform all of those who make a choice to live for him. He was going to conform them to become like his son. That he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Am I making any sense today? So what has happened? When you commit your life to Christ, you are walking in to the pre-planned life that God has set. There's a statement that I have made for many, many years. And that is that God's will is not always done. But God's plan is always done. We can find this, and I'm going to take you into it here in just a minute, out of pre, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. God's not willing that any perish, but how many know lots of people aren't going to make heaven? Not because God chose to not let them into heaven, which once again we go back to this doctrine of predestination. That means you don't have a choice to get saved. If God chose you to get saved, then you will be saved. If God didn't choose you to get, get saved, well, you're to hell on a banana peel. Does that sound like God? My Bible says all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so look at this. Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sealed it. We go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Don't go back there, but that's what we do. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, God, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus knew his purpose on earth. Listen to me. I am going to give victory to some people's lives, if you will. Jesus knew his purpose on earth was to bring glory to God. Let it hang around your neck. Bind it about your neck. Let the entire world know that you have one purpose, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, and that is to do the will of God, which therefore is manifest in bringing glory to God. Can somebody say amen? This is why Revelation 13 says he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, let me take you, okay? I, I, I never want you just to take my word for it. I give you a lot of scripture already. I'm going to give you more. Are you ready? It's on the screen. Look at this. Ephesians, look what it says. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ. Listen to this. When you became born again, 
your whole life was transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Dan talked about it as the word of the Lord was coming from him or through him this morning. That you ain't what you used to be, you be new. For we are God's workmanship. When you give your life to Christ, you have been created in Christ Jesus for what reason? To do good works that he just decided to do the day you got saved, right? Oh, no? That's not what it, that's not what it says? What's it say? Oh, that he prepared in advance. You say, well, pastor... That's sounding too simple. I'm a simple guy. Just got to keep it deep. You know, you know how I know I'm simple? Because God's word's simple. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You get saved, you will begin, once again, not just praying a prayer, but walking a life. You will begin to do the good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. How many out there can sit here and honestly say, I do things today because of Christ that I never in my life thought I'd be doing? Go ahead and raise your hand, Vince Summers. This guy was close to the devil's cousin. I didn't say he was the devil's cousin, but he was close to him. But the life he's living today is the life that grandma prayed for, that mama prayed for, that wifey prayed for. And now he's walking in the life that God prepared. So do you know what that means? That means he's doing the will of God. Oh, it's got to be deeper than that. Okay, I'll take you deeper. Psalm, look at the Psalms. The steps of a good man. That word good man, that phrase good man, literally means somebody in right relationship with God. Remember, it's not just praying a prayer. Are you with me, Jared? You got it? Okay. It's not just praying a prayer. It's walking a walk. How many know people that can talk the talk really good? But yet you watch them walk the walk and you say, what's not matching here? I watched a little Mr. Wilford here post something the other day that was very biblical. He said, your company will corrupt your communication, your life. The people you hang out with, you say, well, pastor, I'm hanging out with them to change them. Are they changing? Are you changing? See, that's why, that's why the Bible says come out from among them and be separate. You can't walk with somebody that says one thing and does another. Okay, the scripture, the steps of a good man, a righteous man, somebody in right relationship with God, look what it says here. It says they are ordered by God. Let me tell you something else. Also are the footstops. How many of you were going a certain direction and you finally stopped long enough to say, God, what do you think? And God stopped you. Anybody be honest? I don't want to be the only one in the house. Folks, I've been going direction. And all of a sudden God said, hey, stupid. Oh, God doesn't talk. He talks to me like that. Hey, stupid. 
Oh, you can't use that word. Okay, God, they said you can't use it anymore. He doesn't stop with saying stupid. He tells me, do you realize where you're headed? See, the first place that God used the word stupid was in the Garden of Eden. When he said, hey, stupid, I mean Adam, where are you? Am I making any sense this morning? See, not only does God have a plan and a purpose for your life, but he wants you to know it. He wants you to know it. Look at this. Go to the next psalm. What's it say there? Are are you there? The next? Oh, I didn't put it on the screen. I want you to look this one up. Psalm 13. Psalms is right before Proverbs. Okay? Yeah, right before Proverbs and right right after Job. Right after Job, Job, right before Proverbs is the book of Psalms. Look at the 13th Psalm. See, I wanted you to, I purposely didn't put some of them up there because I want you to go to them. Psalm 32, verse 8. Psalm 32, verse 8. Look what the scripture says. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. Who's the I there? God? How are you going to know God's instruction? God's word. Look what it says here. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. And he said, I won't even stop there. I will counsel you and watch over you on the way. Come on, David, tell me that's good preaching. Now let me take you to Psalm 73, verse 24. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God wants to show us, but we make it this this unattainable thing because we're making it this mystical thing. When it's not that difficult at all. And I'm going to show you. Look at Psalm 73, verse 24. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. Scripture says, you guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you'll take me into glory. You guide me. So see what he says here? He says, I'll instruct you and I will teach you. And then I will counsel you and watch over you. And then it says there in Psalm 73, I will guide you with that counsel. How many, how many ever had a time where you just said, God, I just need to know what to do. And you didn't get a lightning bolt. You didn't get this, this great big booming voice. You didn't even get a still small voice. But all of a sudden, you made a turn and it happened to just coincidentally be the right direction. Anybody besides me do that? Dialin, you ever did that? I, th- I thought you might have once or twice. Heather, you did? Okay. Yeah. Listen to me. God's purpose, God's will, 
is simpler to find than you think. Okay, preacher. Tell me how. It's literally at your fingertips. It's called the written will of God. He told you the beginning and the ending of your life. And he wrote it in 66 small books. And he said, all you got to do is read it. And you know what he'll do? He'll watch over that word and perform it in your life. He'll watch over it. I know some of y'all give David flack because he's always running around saying, read aloud, read aloud, read aloud. Can I tell you something to David's defense? Long before David's mouth was blabbing that, God's word was, was, uh, uh, was encouraging it. Romans chapter 13, or 10, the book of Romans. It's chapter 10, verse 13. Faith comes by... I, I thought you would shout it out there, David. How's it come? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come by thinking. Well, I'm meditating on the Word of God. Okay, well, that didn't do much good for me. But you know what I do? Can I tell you something? Y'all don't get around me a whole lot. But there's times that I'll just sit on the back porch of my house and I'll just read God's Word out loud to myself. You know sometimes why? Because this stinking thinking needs to hear something else. And I might think I know what I'm doing, but do you know what happens? According to God's word that he watches over it to perform it. Folks, I am giving you some revelatory reality. You're having a hard time walking in the things of God. You're having a hard time doing the things of God. Why don't you stop talking and start listening? And how do you start listening? You start speaking God's word. And you know what God's word tells me? According to the book of Isaiah, he said, I'm going to perform my word in your life. I'm going to watch over it and make sure it comes to pass. My Lord, look at the time. I'm trying to take my time, but I'm going to take too much of your time if I don't watch my time. Okay. I, I, yeah. That's good Pastor. Scripture is referred to the, as the written will of God. Whenever I can't find clear direction, all I have to do is get into God's Word. And I start speaking God's Word. I can quote a lot of Scripture, folks. 
I've had some of you all say, you know, Pastor, you, you know, you always give yourself a hard time, but you kind of are the Bible answer, man. You can pretty much find anything. That's right, because I know the answer, and so he gives me the answers. The Bible says we read and we listen, therefore we obtain and we understand. We read and we listen, therefore, because we read and listen, we obtain and understand. Why? Every physical fruit has a spiritual root. You and I are spirit beings. The problem is if some of us looked under, what do they call those x-ray things? You know, if, if we had x-ray Superman vision and we could look into some of our physiques, you know what we would see? We would see either a muscular or a um, <laughs> protruding physique. But if we saw that x-ray vision, what would our spiritual physique look like? Sadly, most of it would be a very shriveled up little person. Because we deny our spirit man, the things God wants. This is why James 1, look at this, look what it says here. Do not just listen to God's word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Written in God's word is God's unwritten will for your life. Second Peter, I'm not going to get much further than this today, but, and it's not on the screen, but I want you to open your Bible, so Second Peter. Some of it's on the screen, but not all of it. Second Peter chapter 3, if you would please open your Bible. Verse 9 says that God is not willing. Remember a statement I made earlier? That God's will is not always done, but God's plan is always done. 2,000 years ago, God had a plan that was at the foundation of the earth. Remember, Revelation says he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. God's plan was established before creation was created. And it was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. It was prophesied all the way from Genesis all the way through to the fulfillment of it. Okay, God's word says that he was not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Once again, that blows that whole eternal security stuff out of the water. That all would come. But guess what? All aren't going to be saved. Not because God didn't make a way. God made a way. He determined that he was going to make a way. And he fulfilled that way 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, the passage goes on to tell us because people choose to be ignorant. Amen. 
What is the root word for ignorant? Ignore. Let's go back to Proverbs 3. My children, what did it say here? Do not disregard my teaching. Do not ignore it. Do not forget it. Keep my commands. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 17. Be very careful how you live. I thought I'd use a different version for this passage because people have come to hate the word circumspect. But that's what be careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise. That's what the word circumspect means. Look what it says here. And this is the passage. Be very careful then how you live. Remember I talked about not just saying the Christian words, but living the Christian words? Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. For these days are evil. Folks, we're, the days that we're living in are getting more and more and more evil as the Lord's return gets close. Therefore, don't be foolish. I'm going to get into this because we're seeing it everywhere, even in the church. The Word of God coming alive. Don't be foolish, but understand what? Understand what? I'm going to wait until all of you all say it out loud. Understand what? For your life, for my life. Don't be foolish. God, how do you want me to live in the middle of where I'm living right now? How do you want my life to live in the middle of where I'm living right now? I'm glad you asked. Psalm chapter 1. It's on the screen. And this all ties Peter in. Because this is where Peter brought all of this out of. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. That word mockers means scoffers. Pastor, is there a difference? Yep. Not between a mocker and a scoffer, but the reason I put it up there is because you're going to see it come alive today. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, no matter what in the heck is pounding against it, and what is happening in it, it's not going to wither. Everything I do is going to prosper. You know what I have just read? Proverbs chapter 3. The scripture that we started out today. I have just read it again. 1 through 6. Look what it says here. Don't forget my teaching. 
Don't sit in the seat of the scornful and disregard what my word says. Keep my commands if you want your life to bring uh, prosperous years and blessing. Isn't this what the scripture is saying, folks? Love and faithfulness, let it bind you. He delights in his law. He meditates on it day and night. He wraps it around himself. It is him. He's planted like a stream in the middle of water. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord with all of his heart, and he doesn't lean to his own understanding. What's he do? Delights in the Lord day and night. And he becomes what? Like a tree planted by the water. He says, if you'll trust me with all your heart I will make your life manageable let me get back to second Peter what is a scoffer well just so I can help you a little bit I'm going to read it for you second Peter you got to go all the way back, past the Timothys, past the Hebrews, past James to Peter. First Peter comes before Second Peter. So if you got to First Peter, you haven't gone far enough. If you got to First John, you've gone too far. Second Peter, look at this. Second Peter, chapter three, and I'm going to start with the ninth verse. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness. But he's long-suffering. In other words, he puts up with a lot. Look at somebody and say, thank God. He puts up with a lot. Because of us. That's what it says. Towards us. He puts up with a lot. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Anybody here ever done stupid things beside me? Anybody here but deserve hell besides me? He puts up with a lot because of you, Ed Scott. You go ahead and point your finger back at me because of you, Pastor Tim. Yeah, it's true. He puts up with a lot. Okay? He's not willing that me or Ed should perish, but we should come to repentance. When we mess up, he wants us to stand up. But the day of the Lord, say that with me, the day of the Lord, I don't have it on the screen, it's in your Bible. Okay, look at it, 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night, in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away and with a great noise, and, and the elements will be melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Talking about the end of the tribulation period. Talking about after the Lord returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? Therefore... Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person should you be in a holy conduct and godliness? Holy, you say, well, pastor, I can't be holy. All that means is you've made a commitment and you're walking in that commitment. Remember, Peter, that love is the dedication of my life to the commandments And that faithfulness is the dependability that no matter what happens, I stand. Lord Jesus. 
Can I have five more minutes? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because then I'll start saying five, 10, 15. Yeah, we won't do that. Look what it says here, okay? All this stuff, God says, you better start living for me. Looking for the hastening to the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved like the fire, the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in, wherein righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, therefore, beloved, look forward to these things. Be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot or blemish, not letting the stuff happening in the world bother you. Consider that the long suffering of our Lord means salvation because God is allowing and putting up with all of this because it's a fallen world who the God of this world is working out his last hurrah and then he goes on and says, just like our beloved Paul, brother Paul, according to his wisdom, the wisdom, excuse me, given to him by God has written to you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them things, uh, uh, in them of these things in which some are hard to understand. Now we get to the point where the untaught and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. Second Peter 3 says that the last days scoffers will arise. Let me define to you a scoffer. Worship team, come please. Will you all mind if I finish this next week? There ain't no way I'm going to finish it today if you want to get out by lunchtime. Let me define a scoffer. A scoffer is a person who does not only disagree with an idea, but they also consider themselves the ambassador of the opposing idea. They cannot rest until they have demonstrated the foolishness of anyone who does not believe their idea is correct. A scoffer voices their disagreement and ridicules all who stand against them and then actively recruits people to join to their side. Folks, in today's hour... I don't pretend to know what's going on, but I know that Jesus is going on. And I am not going to worry about what's happening in the world. I'm going to, have to, look, I'm going to be concerned about what's happening in the Word. And God's Word tells me that everything that's happening is coming and bringing the return of the Lord. So I'm not going to get caught up in it. I am not going to listen to people who are trying to persuade or, or uh, whatever the case is to one side or other. I've had people over the years saying, well, what if you're wrong? I tell them I am wrong, but God is right. Well, what if they're right, 
No, they're wrong, and God is right. What I have to do in everything, ladies and gentlemen, is I have to go back to the beginning of our message. Do not forget, disregard, or ignore God's teaching, but simply keep His command. What is God's command? To love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love Tim as I love myself. To love Lori as I love myself. To love Heather and, and Abude and Will and Dan and Bill. My wife. It's not to get caught up in stuff, but to get caught up in God. And when I don't understand what's going on, I say, God, I know you're going on. So if I'll get myself in God's word, you know what he'll do? He'll get me walking in his way. I'm doing God's will. First and foremost, because I'm preaching his word. And if I'm preaching his word, I'm doing his will. And as I'm living it, I'm walking in his way. Knowing God's will is not a hard thing. All you got to do is live for him. And you are doing his will. It's, it's really not that difficult. Well, pastor, it's got to be deeper than that. I've just spent the last 45 minutes telling you that it's not. Because not me telling you, but God's word telling you that it's not. And I've got a lot of other stuff that I'm going to share with you next week. I encourage you to come back to listen to it. And you that are online, you online, when you get home, folks, you can go online and you can download my notes. If you're online right now, you have the ability to download the notes and you can go back, listen to the tape and, and, and learn and grow. There's so much in this simple thing about fulfilling God's purpose. It's really not hard. It's really not hard. Well, Pastor, then why does it seem so hard? I'll get into it next week. But the simple answer, because you don't want to. Because it doesn't fit your agenda. Now, I say, you, me too. There's, there's stuff in this Bible I don't want to do. I love people. I don't like them sometimes, but I love them. I, I love Vince. Vince is one of our council members. I tell you what, he'll be the first to admit it. He gets under my skin. Amen. Say amen, Vince. But that's one of the reasons I love him. Because I'm not interested in yes men. Ask the hard question. Challenge. Because sometimes I miss it. And you know what I do? I go back to God's word. Oh, there it is. Oh, Vince, I messed up. Sorry. I've done that once or twice, haven't I, Vince? And that's usually what he says. Can I promise you one thing? 
if you follow me long enough, you will find me mess up. I just ask you to do the same thing Jesus did. He's long-suffering towards me. <laughs> Some of you are doing God's will, and you don't even know it. Because you're irritated. You're frustrated. Aggravated. And any other aid that I can think of. All you got to do is take yourself aside for a minute open God's word and say, God, why am I like this? And God will show you. And then he'll also show you what to do about it. He's not willing that we live an aggravated life. He's not willing that all this stuff that's going on gets our goat. He's not willing. And the problem it does is not him. And I'd love to give you the out, but it's not the devil. It's the person sitting in your chair. I want to pray for you. Because I, like you, let things bother me sometimes. I, like you, let things get under my skin sometimes. But unlike many people, I get rid of it just as fast as it gets in because that's what my Bible tells me. It tells me that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So immediately what do I do? I go to God's Word. There's my weapons. It's not carnal. It's not what I can figure out. It's not carnal. It's mighty through God so it's spiritual. To the what? Pulling down the strongholds. And then, okay, what do I do with this, God? He says, grab a hold of it and cast down that thought. Cast down that imagination and bring it into captivity according to God's word. And he says, when you've done that, you know what will happen? The victory comes up in you. Sorry, that was a victory dance. Not too eloquent, just kind of, yeah. Father, every one of us, God, every one of us, God, to do your will, we just have to walk in your word. And God, some of us are frustrated in doing your will because we're not in your word. And because we're not in your word, it's hard for your word to be in us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. God, in Ephesians 6, you told us to put on the whole armor of God. And the first thing you told us to put on was the belt of truth. Your word. You told us to Bind it around our necks. Your truth, your word, your way, your will. And God, then later on, you told us to take up the sword. 
That when we're fighting the good fight of faith, God, it's not our word that we're fighting with. God, it's your word. And God, the enemy can't stand. Father, help your sons and daughters today. Help your children today. God, we desperately need you desperately God so many of us fall flat on our face because we try to stand on our own two feet instead of standing in you and the power of your might help us God help us to plant ourselves firmly on you the rock of our salvation God, I, your sons and daughters that are here, God, your sons and daughters that are watching online, those that don't know you, if that's you, you don't know the Lord. I can tell you right now, you, you, you've got no hope until you come to know the Lord. And then you have all hope. You have all hope. In this building, if you don't know the Lord, you have no hope. He said, you're judging me. No, God's word did. When we reject Christ, we reject hope. Well, I haven't rejected him. I've just not accepted him. I think they mean the same thing. You don't accept, you reject. You want hope, you got to find Christ. You want hope, you got to find Christ. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Today, if you're struggling, trying to figure this thing, don't be a scoffer. Don't be a scoffer and try to explain it away and, and, and whatever the case is. God has your name in the Bible. I can't scoff at things. Life is real. Death is real. Hell is real. But heaven is real, and victory is real, and certainty is real, and confidence is real, and my ability to stand in Christ is real. God, thank you that I will stand in you. And I'll be like the psalmist recorded in Psalm chapter 1. I think it's so interesting. Those few little verses in Psalm 1 says when I do this just like Proverbs 3 when I do this I'll be planted by the streams of living water and everything I do will prosper Father let that be for your people today let your word be performed in their lives as they walk out of this building let them walk with, the, with you and in you as they walk to you in Jesus name in Jesus name and everyone said I pray that today helped a little bit it's not deep it really isn't pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the destined to win podcast 
Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.